This is the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast with Jay Gordon Duncan. Hello, friends, and welcome to a Wednesday Wisdom episode of the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast with Jay Gordon Duncan. And if you're wondering why the J, the answer is I am not a bagpipe player. And if that joke doesn't make any sense, I encourage you to check out episode zero where I explain that joke as well as the purpose of the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast. But as to today's episode, our Wednesday Wisdom episodes are this. I am sharing the audio of my sermons from the church I pastor, Evident Grace Fellowship in Fredericksburg, Virginia, as well as sermons from churches I have pastored prior, as well as sermons that I've preached at other places. And I'm sharing them with you for this reason. My sermons are usually not too long. They're between 30 and 40 minutes long. And by sharing them with you, it gives you a chance for some spiritual encouragement midweek. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope it's challenging and encouraging, like I said. And if it is, would you please send me a note at uh, gordon at jgordonnuckin.com or maybe even share this sermon online, Facebook, or on your Instagram story. I hope you enjoy it. So let's get to the sermon. Luke 2, 8 through 20. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. You know, when it comes to Christmas passages, I've mentioned this to many of you before, uh, that sometimes Christmas passages are really, really difficult for me because uh, there's an air of familiarity around them. We've heard these verses, or many of us have heard or read these verses. uh, Every year, our our passages kind of center around the same area. And the temptation I face is, uh, how do I make this verse new or exciting or brand new? And, And it's not really my job. To do that, I have to remind myself, it's not my job to make this one verse absolutely brand new to you. It's it's to try to be faithful to Scripture. Uh, I'll I'll put it like this. Uh, Does anyone remember what you had for breakfast on Tuesday? Anybody? I do, only because I eat the same thing every single day. But but most of us uh, have no idea. But it sustained you and it got you here. Anybody know what I preached on four weeks ago? It's fine. It's fine. I'm I'm not offended. Just like that meal that you eat every day sustains you and gets you going, so does the preach word every single Sunday. And you may not remember any single sermon I preached this year, but by, by faith and my desire is that God sustains you and feeds you little bit by little bit. So that's what we're going to do here. 
This, this may or may not be the one that transforms your life. Man, I pray for that every single Saturday night. I do. What we're going to pray for is these verses sustain us. We've been looking, uh, it's just come up a lot through the baptism and through other verses. And we've talked about Abraham a lot lately. Genesis 12, God made a promise to Abraham. Like, Abraham, uh, I, I'm going to make a people out of you. I'm going to be your God. And that was a, a, a challenge for Abraham because he was old, his wife was old, and they weren't going to have any kids. And God's like, you're going to have a kid, and an entire multitude of people are going to come from you. And Abraham had faith, and he believed that it was going to happen. Do you know how many generations it took from Abraham to get to Jesus? 56. Not 56 years. 56 generations. That would be like from my dad to me to my kids. That's three. Count those up for like 56. took forever. It would appear. That's long enough for us to not believe, right? If I ask you to wait 56 minutes, it's hard enough. 56 generations, but God was faithful. And it came at a point in time where no one was really looking for it. I mean, God hadn't spoken to his people for 400 years. He was angry. The people of God were in a serious timeout when you get 400 years, and God's like, the prophets are not going to speak to you at all. And oh, there were plenty of false prophets during that time. Plenty of people showed up and said, hey, I'm speaking for God, but they proved themselves to be false. The people of God weren't even enjoying their own land anymore. The, the Romans were running Israel, and they, it was just a tough time. And in the passage today, what we're going to see is that some lowly shepherds were in the field. Now, I'm going to talk about shepherds a little bit, but what it would be like that the angels would appear to them. And you may notice, you're going to say, Gordon, these sermons are supposed to be about prayer. I don't see anybody praying in these verses, and it's okay. What we're going to do is we're going to see some people interact with the glory of God. And if we grow accustomed in humility and thankfulness to interact with the glory of God, our prayers are going to be amazing. Your prayer life's going to be transformed. You're going to have hope, like hope you've never had, but you've got to learn how to experience the glory of God. Now, here's the thing. The glory of God is always specific. It's not in general. Let me explain that. Let's say you're praying, and you hop in the car, and you're like, Dear God, I really want to glorify you today. Do that. That's a good prayer. It's a good, faithful prayer. It really is. God, glorify me at school. Excuse me, let me glorify you at school, let me glorify you at home, or I'm going to work. That's a good prayer. It really is. But when you say, dear God, in the conversation I have to have with so-and-so, when I really don't like that person, will you help me glorify you in that? All of a sudden, the glory of God gets very real to you, doesn't it? When your prayers become specific, the glory of God becomes specific. When you say, God, I just don't know if I want to stay in the job I'm in, kind of done, and I got an opportunity over there, but there's some risk for me and my family. Do I want to do that? Not a bad prayer at all. Do that. But when you say, God, would it give you more glory for me to go take that job or for me to stay in the job I'm at? You just let me know. I just want the one that gives you the most glory. Your prayers just got very different, didn't they? When the glory of God gets specific, your prayers transform you and transform this world. So what we want to do in this passage today is we want to get a good picture of the glory of God. You get a picture of the glory of God, and all of a sudden your prayer life changes. You might be sitting here and you're like, Gordon, I haven't felt moved in a worship service in six months. I'm sorry. But it's not completely on me. I, I would, but I would say to you, let's move our prayers like this. God, I want what I do between 10 and 1130 on Sunday to give you more glory than I've ever given you in my entire life 
all of a sudden your prayer life just changed. All of a sudden you changed. You start focusing on what happens to we 10 and 11 30 very, very differently when you're like, I just want to give you glory. So here's our big idea. Here's where we're going today. That prayers that seek to glorify God make a huge impact on the world. You're going to make a massive impact. You start praying with the glory of God. You are. You are. And we're going to pursue these three points. Prayers that seek to glorify God remove fear. Prayers that seek to glorify God are bold and clear. And prayers that seek to glorify God move people into action. That's what we're going to see today. Let's jump into this first section. Prayers that seek to glorify God remove fear. Verse 8, and in the same region there were some shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Dirty, smelly shepherds in the most boring job you can ever imagine. What do we know about shepherds in Israel? Okay, well it's dirty, smelly, I told you that. And then if you wanted to offer a sacrifice to God, if you wanted to go to the temple, you had to be what was called ceremonially clean. God had established some laws about how you prepared yourself to come worship. And shepherds were always unclean. I mean, you would have to take a vacation for being a shepherd just to be able to go worship. Their job made them unclean. So that means that those kind of jobs usually attract what kind of people? People who aren't worried about being very godly. So it's typically, uh, you, it's, they're ruffians, great word. Like uh, people who don't typically you bump into, right? Bad reputation, people with debt, people running out on, you know what I'm saying? And it's a dirty, smelly job, and you got to stay up all night long. Now, some of us in our jobs have moments that are insanely boring. You may love your job, but there's moments that are just agonizingly boring. If you got to cut and paste one more time, or you people who deal with spreadsheets, you aliens who know how to do that stuff, I know you love it, but at some point in time, it's just another cell that you've got to create, right? We all have those moments. Maybe you're a homemaker, and you're like, I'm doing this again. I do it every single day, and as soon as I do it, people come and destroy what I do, right? I mean, our house was in really good shape Friday, but by Saturday morning, it looked like it was destroyed. And I don't have toddlers anymore, and I I was to blame for a good bit of it. I come in for a run, and I just leave, leave a trail of stuff everywhere. I finally get it up. But you understand what I'm talking about. We all have those moments that are just boring. These guys are out in the middle of the night. Their job is to stay awake and make sure sheep don't die. A successful day is to go all night and a sheep doesn't die. So that's what these guys are doing. Boring, smelly, criminals making sure sheep don't die. Verse 9, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Why them? Truly, we would all say that if God wants to show up to anyone, it should be us and not other people, right? Like in the thinking, if we said, hey, who's the angel going to show up to today? We would think it would be us. Not the boring, smelly people who were up all night long last night, right? God has a way to counter our pride really quickly, though, doesn't he? He'll cut our pride down in a second. Why? Because your pride is counter to the glory of God. So here are these guys. And by the way, they're not looking for angels, by the way. No one's looking for angels. It's been 400 years. I mean, they believe in God, but they've, they've, I mean, there's not been a whole lot of intimacy when you go 400 years without communing with him. But an angel shows up to these guys. These guys. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. By the way, what is the glory of the Lord? And I have not got enough time. Just assume that it's beauty, radiance, and holiness. Like just purity. 
Beauty, radiance, and holiness, purity. Like something so pure you can't even imagine it, right? Like Bob Ross pure, but like more than that, right? Like, like more than that, right? Just, we don't even know what it is. Like it's, it's, these guys saw a picture of holiness and beauty that they just didn't even know what to do with, nor would we. And they're filled with great fear. Good response. These guys are obedient for the first time. You see the glory of God, we all hit the ground. Like bodies are hitting the floor when the glory of God shows up. They're scared to death. Good. Why? Because they're sinners. Like Matt said, we're not inclined to peace. We're inclined to sin. Glory of God shows up. You better put your head down. Good response. And the angel of the Lord said to them, by the way, not only is an angel showing up, not only glory in the sky, the angel's speaking to them. And the angel says, fear not. Like, chill out, guys. I'm not here to destroy you like you deserve. Good news. The glory of God is not going to wipe you off of the face of the planet, though you deserve that. Fear not. Behold, why? Why will they not have a reason for fear? I bring you good news of great joy. Now, first, uh, uh, good news, that word is gospel. So, the like gospel of Matthew is the good news of Matthew. And, uh, and in that day, a gospel was a declaration of a ruler. Like, when Caesar took over, he would issue a gospel. Like, Caesar took over, and his gospel said that he was the divine imperator of the world. He basically said, I'm God here to make peace, and then he went and killed a bunch of people, right? And so, when they hear that good news, they're kind of cynical. And that day, you would be. But this angel shows up and says, hey, I'm not like the other, I've got news, uh, uh, unlike the rulers here with their good news who want to kill you, uh, I've got good news that's not going to kill you. You don't need to fear. Because the good news is that unto you is born in this day the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying. A lot of things going on here. Now, in Isaiah, we got this promise about the Savior being born in the city of David. By the way, that was 700 years ago. And the promise to David was way even before that. I didn't look up the numbers. I'm sorry, I don't know that one. But here, got good news for you guys. Don't, you're not going to die. I'm not going to destroy you. God's glory is here. No reason to fear anymore. And the prophecy from 700 years ago and the prophecy from 56 generations ago is coming true. And a baby is going to be lying, lying in a food trough. Mangers, we have this picture of these cute little things. It was a food trough. Like a nasty, smelly food trough. One of those questions I've got for God is, why didn't Mary just hold the baby? Why did you put the baby in a nasty, smelly food trough? I don't get that. But germs, and, and we didn't get that whole concept back then probably. So I guess they were less concerned. So since I'm blowing all your paradigms, shepherds, Glory of God showing up to you, you're not going to die, and all the hope you've ever looked for is going to be found in a food trough. Go see him. And by the way, here's a multitude of angels, the best concert you've ever had. Now, to our point, prayers that seek to glorify God remove fear. Now, I bet when you pray for the glory of God, you're going to be scared to death. Let's start with that. When you say, hey, God, I, let's go back to the example earlier. God, I, I don't know if I want to stay in my job. Would it glorify you to take this new job 
or to stay. Okay, that's the example we're probably going to run the whole sermon with. It'll be helpful if I only use one. Now, here's the thing. You probably got one you really, really want, right? But when you say, like, I really want to leave, and, but when you say, but God, whatever glorifies you most, I want that, then you get scared because then you may not get what you want. You follow me? But God would know what would bring you the greatest joy, wouldn't he? And what would truly give you the greatest joy is if you did the thing that gave him the most glory. You tracking with me? So if you want your fear removed, ultimately you've got to pray that God would glorify you in everything. In every relationship, in every emotion, in every word, in every conversation, in every spending of your money. If you want your fear removed, pray for the glory of God in your life. Because all of a sudden your life's going to be transformed. You're going to be getting rid of a bunch of stuff that does not give glory to God, and you're actually doing stuff that just causes fear after fear after fear. Friends, if our prayers want to transform this year, we want to do God, God to do something amazing here, then we got to pray for the glory of God. we got to pray for the glory. Your fears will ultimately be relieved. Let's keep going. Prayers that seek to glorify God are bold and clear. I talked about that in the intro. Here's what happens. You've got the one angel, the glory of God, and then all of a sudden... A multitude of angels, and they sing this song. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. All right, they sing, hey, the highest amount of glory that can be given to God, that's what we want. As much glory as God can receive, that's what we want to give him. Why would we want to give him less? We don't want to give God a little bit of glory. Because if we give God a little bit of glory, we're remaining all the rest of the glory for us. Okay, It's either you're glorifying God or you're glorifying you. Those are your two options. And so the angels get it. They're like, as much glory as possible, we want that for God. And then there comes a blessing. Peace on earth with whom he is pleased. Now, let's slightly walk into a slightly controversial area here. God is not bringing peace to everybody with the proclamation of Jesus. He's not. The only people that the arrival of Jesus brings peace to are the people that God's pleased with. That's what that verse says. So if God's pleased with you, peace be with you. If God's not pleased with you, war be with you. Peace to those with whom he's pleased. Now, you might say, Gordon, I don't think God's pleased with any of us. Good starting point. Let's start there. Who do we know who God's pleased with? We know one person God's pleased with. Who's that? You can say it. It's okay. Jesus. Thank you, Nathan. Yes, Jesus. We can say his name. Yes. God's really happy with Jesus. In fact, we get, where do we get it? We get it Matthew 3, Matthew 17, Matthew 25. God literally says, this is my son, my son with whom I'm well pleased. Like he spoke and said, I'm happy with Jesus. What Jesus says I'm happy with, what he does I'm happy with, that guy I'm happy with. What about us? How in the world is God going to be happy with you? We're all sinners. At our best, we're moderately unselfish. At our worst, we're horribly selfish. We love us some sin. We love us some me. What hope do we have that God would be pleased with us? Only one way. That Jesus gives you his goodness. That's it. 
You're not going to be able to stack up enough goodness for God to be pleased with you. Never. I wish. We keep trying. Every day we measure it, right? At the end of the day, we're like, well, I think I've been good enough for God to be happy with me. It's not the way it works. Or we think I've been awful today. God really hates me today. It doesn't work that way either. When you have faith in Jesus, and I'm not talking about just I believe in God stuff here. I'm talking about when you have faith in Jesus and say, Jesus, forgive me. Please, please, you get Jesus' goodness given to you. And when you have faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you receive his goodness, God looks at you and goes, I am really well pleased with you. Really well pleased with you and well pleased with you. A little pleased for you and you and you. Then he's pleased with you. Otherwise, he's not pleased with you. And if he's pleased with you, what do you get in this verse? Peace. Now, I'm looking out, and I'm guessing all of you were not peaceful at some point in time this week. At some point in time, we were all pretty churned up. Sometimes we maybe felt like we had a right to be churned up. Sometimes we really weren't. Why were you all churned up this week? I mean, God's at peace with you. Maybe it was a relationship that was broken, and rightfully so. Your heart was broken. Like, I wish this relationship was not broken. Maybe it was an honest conviction over sin. God, I really cannot seem to get beyond this. Conviction and a desire to see restored relationships are wonderful. But every single moment, every single day, you've got to go back to the point that says, but because I have faith in Jesus, I have peace with God. Then you move out of that into obedience, repentance, and restored relationships. The angels showed up to all the people who were not in a worship service, who were probably criminals and, criminals and debt dodgers, and said, hey, peace to you. Now, this prayer is pretty specific. It's bold and clear. It's very clear. God has peace with those he's pleased with. Let's go back to the intro. In your prayers, please pray generic prayers. Please. God, I want to have a good day. God, forgive me for my sins. Please, those, those broad sins, you got to pray them. But maturity moves you towards specific prayers. God, forgive me for my sins... It's a good prayer. God, forgive me for my anger that I constantly pour out on the people I love. That's a specific prayer. Does God receive glory from both? Yes. Does he receive more glory from the specific prayer? Yes. Why? Because you all of a sudden became more like Jesus. God, please grow Evident Grace Fellowship. I've prayed it a million times. Or, God, insert all your names, Please let so-and-so grow in boldness at their job. They work for the government. It's a hard job for them, Father, to be bold for Jesus. Give them opportunities to proclaim Jesus. It's a different prayer, isn't it? Sometimes all we got is, dear God, please help me be an okay parent. Just okay. I'll go with okay today, right? It's a good prayer. Dear God, please give me patience with my fourth child. I ran out with the first three. Will you please give me patience with the fourth one? Bold, clear, specific prayers glorify God because they make us ask different questions. Just like this one. Well, whom's he really pleased? All of a sudden, we're digging deeper and deeper, deeper and finding the glory of God. 
We push on. Time is moving away from us. Prayers that seek to glorify God move people into action. If you seek to glorify God, you are going to be put into action. You will. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, I would love to know the time frame, by the way. Like, did they just kind of stand there for like two or three minutes? Or did they just hop into action? I don't know which one. But they left, and they said, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They all just became Christians. Every one of them. What did they just say? The, the, Lord, the Lord has just shown us what's happened. Let's go see it. That means they had faith that Jesus was there. They didn't say, hey, let's go and see maybe if it happened. They're like, let's just go see this thing that happened. The Lord. All these guys just became Christians. Because they believed it, and how do we know? They put it into action. They put it in that. Let's go see this baby that we're getting ready to worship. Let's go see the Savior, verse 16. And they went with haste, which means they kicked some butt and got there as quickly as they could. I don't know what happened to the sheep. And they found Mary and Joseph. And the baby lying in a manger in the nasty food trough. In verse 17. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. Do you too know that like a thousand angels just showed up and told us to find you here? And that poor little couple is alone. Their family isn't there loving on them. They don't have their doula. They don't have their midwife. They don't have grandma. They got nobody. I don't know how cold it got, but I'm imagining it's cold. They're sitting there. And their guests are the smelly shepherds. And they're like, do you know what we just saw? You guys have been doing this whole deal by faith because you believe there's a Savior coming. I want you to know thousands of angels just showed, showed up and told us to come here. Verse 18. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Like, that's crazy. What's going on? They just wondered, what in the world is God doing? Because he hadn't been doing this the last 400 years. And I've been waiting on this for 700 years. And our family's been talking about it for 56 generations. What is God about to do? 19, we've got to love Mary here. Measure, Mary treasured up these things in her heart. Let's recapture that expression, by the way. She treasured it in her heart. When you treasure something, you're making it valuable. You're giving it the value that it's worth. Like, she's enjoying this moment. She suffered, right? Everyone thought she was a loose woman with no morals. Her husband wanted to divorce her to begin with. Like, she's had a tough time. But she's sitting there like, God, this is really real. Like, everything you said, this is true. My little baby here is getting ready to be the Savior. Strangers are Angels are singing. She's sitting there treasuring this pondering them in her heart. Verse 20, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they heard and seen as it had been told them. They all of a sudden become evangelists. These guys are out sharing the gospel. They're like, guys, you will not believe what's happened. They're running back, enjoying their moment with Jesus and Mary and Joseph and the angels and everybody who needs to hear it, these guys are telling it. The first evangelists of the church were some smelly shepherds. The people we would not want to spend time with 
all of a sudden get converted and share Jesus. Prayers that seek to glorify God move into action. Again, think any prayer you want. Let's go back to the example we've used. God, I don't know. Do you want me to stay in my job or do you want me to leave and take another job? Whichever one you want, whichever one gives you the most glory, that's what I want. And guess what? You move into action to do that. God, either through wisdom, counsel, the Holy Spirit, the Scriptures, moves your heart into understanding where He would have you. Father, please, 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 grow Evident Grace Fellowship. Please, let us glorify you by bringing many people to salvation. We get put into action. Because God takes great joy to use your prayers to accomplish his will. Say that again. God takes great joy. He's happy to use your prayer to do what he wants done in this world. When we start praying for the glory of God, we start moving. And sometimes we might go, it doesn't seem like anything's happening here, Gordon. It doesn't seem like anything's happening. And we need to pray for the glory of God to show up. Because the glory of God shows up, we're going to start hustling. We're going to start hustling. Let's move towards a conclusion. I think God will give me a few more things to say after that. Uh, if you're a guest with us, uh, we try to answer our ser- end our sermons in this way with a truth, an application, and an action. A truth is just a, a, re- a statement, something you can walk away with. Uh, an application is a, you know, let's live this way, and an action is a to-do. So, uh, so uh, our, our big idea was prayers that seek to glorify God make a huge impact, and we had three points those prayers that seek to glorify God, they remove fear, they're bold, they're clear, and they move us into action. So our truth is pretty redundant today. Our truth is this, prayers that seek to glorify God make a huge impact in the world. I think that was the big idea, but the big idea was so clear I just made it our truth. So let's just write that down this week, okay? Like, if your prayers are seeking to glorify God, a huge impact is going to be made. A huge, I'm not telling you it's all going to be hunky-dory, it's going to be easy. I'm not telling you any of that. It's just going to make a big impact. That big impact may be the loss of a friendship or might be gaining of a new one. That big impact might be toiling for years and years and people not knowing, not knowing Christ or toiling and all of a sudden hundreds of people come to know Christ. It's going to make an impact. That impact is the will of God. But we've got to pray for God to be glorified. Let's do our application here. Live knowing that your praise is an integral part of God's work in this world. Did you know that every prayer you offer to God is an act of praise? Every prayer you offer to God is an act of praise. Because you're going to the Heavenly Father. You're bringing yourself to the only one that can answer prayers in this world. You go, to pray, you go to pray, God, you are praising him because you're recognizing who he is. And those prayers and those praise, they're integral to what God's doing. When God decided how many of you would be here today before the foundation of the world, that's the way it works. When he decided before the foundation of the world that you would be here, he decided to use the prayers of the people that prayed to get you here. So it works like this. So God decided in eons past that you're here. That you're here. And then this week, someone said, Dear God, please bring X, Y, and Z to church today. And God used that to bring about what he ordained before eons past. It's a mind eraser. I know it is. 
But God uses your prayer and your praise to bring about his will. So right now, we're praying for God's glory, and he's going to use that prayer to manifest his glory in your life, this church, and in the world. So here's our action this week. Here's what we're going to try to do with this. Pray that God would enable you to share God's peace with one person. God's peace. Let's go back to the prayer of the, uh, the praise of the angels. Right? He said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. This week, I want you to pray that God would use you to share that peace with one person. One person. God, enable me to glorify you by sharing with this person how might they might have peace with God through Jesus. One of the things that uh, we've got our town hall meeting coming up in January. It's a quarterly get-together for the church. And, and Matt and I have been working on this, and we're going to talk about some evangelism training that we have in the coming year. It just keeps coming up as a theme. keeps coming up as a need. And so when we see that, we try to put things together to meet those needs. We want to see God glorified by many people coming to know him in 2020. And I guarantee you, you will grow closer to Jesus when he uses you to bring people to know him. This week, if the idea of sharing that kind of language with someone scares you, it's okay. If you're like, I, I don't know if I could tell someone that, then here's what I want you to do. Invite them here and I will tell them next week. Okay? I got you. I got you. But I'm going to pray that God gives you the boldness to share Jesus with someone. I pray that God's going to give you the fortitude when you get rejected and gives you the humility and the thanks when people come to know Jesus. God is not yet done with you or this church or this community. And he's going to use your prayers as part of the accomplishment of his will. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are and have been faithful to your promises. Thank you that despite waiting generation, generation, you were faithful and Jesus Christ has brought peace. Father, I pray that you would enable us to take great joy in that peace, that we would grow closer to you in prayer, that you would help us cast aside our sin, that you'd help us to be bold in the proclamation of Jesus. And Father, would you give us the joy that comes with being in harmony with your will. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.